right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. Now live. Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Para-X Radio Network. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. This is your guest, Jason M. Caldwell, with this week's co-host, Stephanie Connolly Reisner. How are you doing tonight, Stephanie? Pretty good, Jason. How are you doing? Doing great. Uh, let's be honest, we both, we're both teary-eyed. We ran in straight from work tonight, didn't we? Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> right, at, right down Real. to the last wire. Real world. So... I wanted everyone to know that there's still time to get involved with the Do Magic Challenge at DoMagicWithAK.com. Stephanie and I, I believe, are both involved this time. Yes. Steph- Stephanie, what are you up to this month? I am working on attempting to regain what I love about my work and trying to take that and funnel it into doing all of the things about my work that I don't like because I don't care how much you love your job there are parts about it you're going to hate and for me it's administrative tasks so <laughs> I always put them off until there's like so much of it to do that I can't break through that block and get it done so I'm taking the magic and breaking all the blocks and doing the self-cleansing and alchemizing all that energy from doing what I love into and channeling that into getting done what I need to get done so that there's a balance there. You know what I'm saying? Nice. Yeah. What are you doing? Well, as I told you last week, folks, I am doing, I'm going to be a little secretive about my project because I'm doing healing work for someone special and working on someone else's behalf has been quite the experience working with the angel Haniel planetary angel of venus and let's just say things have gotten really interesting i will tell you folks that during last night's meditation i thought that i was having a panic attack oh wow i could i could feel what to me at first felt like a oh i thought it was a heart murmur going on or an irregular heartbeat and it was mine. But then when I put my hand on my chest, I realized, no, that's pulsing energy. Your heart's not in sync with that because the vibration really scared the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. 
I thought maybe I needed to go see a doctor, but it wasn't actually my physical heart. Um, that's been one interesting thing after repeating this ritual nightly since Monday the 1st. Um, but yeah, let's just say that you cannot do work for other people and not be affected by it, especially when you're in this repetitive cycle and, uh, calling for certain particular things to be done. Yes. That, and that's the blog's true, broken. For those oh. those of you that go, oh, where's your blog been? Well, my blog, uh, my blog broke. <laughs> I don't know if my blog's going to be public. <laughs> oh, no. But, but I'm going to keep doing the work anyway. Not only because it's important to keep up with the 30-day challenge, but it's also because there's somebody else's butt on the line, not just mine. Right, right, absolutely. I think that's the hardest part is the blogging anyway. I'm a couple days behind, actually, on posts, which I need to catch up with at some point, probably Thursday. Now, imagine imagine you're someone who doesn't write on a regular basis. Right? <laughs> it's, it's like uh, sometimes I'm really struggling to think about, okay, what can I say unique tonight about this? But still, it's, it, it, because of like what happened last night, it's good to keep up with that nightly journaling because when an odd occurrence does happen, you have documentation of it. Right. Right. That's true. It is very important to like, yeah, definitely jot some notes or something, even if it's longhand. Cause you can always type up the blog later. I do keep an actual journal that I keep notes in. So it's just finding time to sit down and transcribe it that I have an issue with. This is true. See, but, it is hard, folks. The cat's back there howling. <laughs> the cat agrees. So, the cat agrees. So, yeah, there's still time for everyone to get in on the challenge. And, and uh, like Jason said, that's domagicwithak.com. And the current challenge is about alchemizing um, a self-transformation self-transfer- through alchemy, ascension, and cleansing. So... Um, it's basically transforming yourself and the world around you by practicing these different things. And that, that can take so many different forms. So you can be creative with that. Um, I believe, how, how long do they have to, to finish their challenge? Probably. It can, it can be began any time in the month of April. Okay. I almost said May. April. Right. <laughs> so as long as you you start in April, you can you can go with it, you guys. So get over yep, there and, and sign go. up. Yep, sign up. Start start this month and just fulfill your thirty days to complete the challenge. Yes, absolutely. We will probably be having to talk about getting some of the people who complete the challenges back on the air too, if if they choose to. Uh, I think I think that'd be really cool to hear some of their personal stories on the air again. Yes, absolutely. I agree. That's always fun. As a matter of fact, um, I think next month I'm going to have uh, William Breyer back on with the show that we're doing together next month, and we'll probably be talking about Do Magic. So. Oh, I'm looking forward yes. to that, because William just, just released a book on what? Dream Magic, I believe. Yes, yes. Dream and Sigil Magic. So, well... Well, sigils are usually a big part of dream magic. I don't know why I said dream and sigil magic, but you know, my brain—that's where my brain goes when I think of dream magic. There's always sigils involved. Don't ask why. 
You know, I the, and, and oddly, the Chaos <laughs> Magician says, never for me, never for me are there sigils and dream magic. Really? I just, I just have freaky spirit encounters. Oh. Huh. Like, I had a conversation with a guy that died across the street uh, about two years ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> Didn't know he was dead until oh. a couple days later. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. Yeah. All right. So, Stephanie, Stephanie's brought us somebody uh, who she's pretty close to, I believe. Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, um, our guest tonight uh, has been a student of mine before, um, and she's actually a candidate for our seminary program. Um, her name is Shaylin Gray, and she has been involved in the occult um, for a long, long time. She was drawn into the occult at a very young age and was gifted to her first tarot deck as a young teenager. Little did she know that it would become a major part of her life and her magical practice. Um, she's a practicing demonolatrist, obviously. She's also a teacher for the pre-initiate program for the Temple of Atem. And she's a professional tarot and oracle reader. She also holds advanced degrees in both comparative religion and clinical psychology. So, Hello, Shaylin. Hey, guys. How are you? Great. Yeah, it's good to have you uh, here with us tonight. That's oh, awesome. Thank you for having me. I figured we needed more uh, more of the the women on the show because you know I think Sorceress Cagliastro was the the last one that I interviewed, but my string of interviews has been all men. Other than that, so all the guys they have all the fun. What's they, yeah, strong. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> Well, you know, I think it's kind of interesting because I don't think, uh, I don't know, I don't think women, especially in in like the uh, demonic aspect in the left-hand path, really um, tend to speak out as much as the guys do. And I don't think that there's fewer women practicing. By far, that is not the case at all. There are a ton of women who practice goetic magic and, and all of that, you know? Yeah, but they tend to stay in the shadows a little bit more than our male brethren. Yes. Why? I don't I don't get it. Right. Yeah, it's it's very very bizarre because there are so many women working with the demons and and left hand path and a lot of the darker magic. So. Mhm. Kind of interesting. Um it is. <laughs> So, you know, oh, go I, ahead. I wonder well, ladies, I wonder if it's social stigma like of course, okay. There's social stigma for all of us, right? When we when we practice magic, we have to worry about people thinking we're crazy. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I wonder if if a guy, if we have a little bit of privilege in our area, we can get away with saying we're into stuff like that more than what a woman can. Maybe I don't know. Just just a thought, passing thought. It's possible because I do seem to get the raised eyebrow more than the couple of male magicians that I know and true they're not demonologists but you know they look at me like I'm the weirdo and I'm like wait a minute wait a minute we're all deeply <laughs> odd here guys none of us are quote unquote normal but yeah I do think they get a little bit more of a pass than I do people look at me like should you know I have two beautiful daughters and they're like should you even have kids with that kind of background I'm like oh really really you know <laughs> and, well, and I wonder if that's a lot what it is and I'll tell you um, I've actually I actually uh 
know a young woman who actually had her um, her husband was awarded custody because of her practice of magic. Mm-hmm. And the judge did not look favorably ab- upon that at all. No. Yeah. So, I mean, I wonder if that's yeah. part of it, too. That yeah. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that I'd like to say that we're past that now, but it, it, it totally just, it's like luck of the draw. It's where you live now. Some places it's freedom of religion. Other places there's, you're still going to lose. Mm-hmm. 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 That's yeah. exactly it. So, that said, um, speaking of, of, you know, uh, being a woman in magic, I know a lot of people, like, have experiences when they're very young, and that's what actually draws them into the occult. It's not something that they usually... It's, it, the, uh, the realm of demonolatry, especially, I mean, divination's one thing, but, like, the realm of demonolatry mm-hmm. and spirit communication and divination... It doesn't always hit people when they're older. It's often something that hits them when they're young. And maybe, you know, they don't realize it right away, and then they can look back and go, oh, yeah, that's what that was. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, did you have an experience like that when you were growing up? I had a, quite a few of them, things that, you know, just looking back, suddenly it's like all the pieces in the puzzle fall together, and you're like, oh, so now I get it that you were sticking around there. Thanks, Leviathan. You could have just sent me a text. Right. But, you know, fantastic. <laughs> Send me a letter. We didn't have text in the 70s, so, you know, whatever. Of, of <laughs> all the people I just don't want hanging around at random, Leviathan would probably be one of them to go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I've said it before, the demonic must have one hell of a sense of humor because I was always terrified of snakes. I would have the worst nightmares of them. I would see one, one bit my German shepherd as a kid, and I thought they were all evil. And of all the potential patron and matrons, really, dude? Are you kidding me? But <laughs> it, now I just have to laugh about it. I'm like, oh, I guess you're helping me face my fears in a really twisted way. But, yeah, I would see my bedroom was in the back of the house. You didn't get a lot of street you know, light affecting anything. But I would watch darker shadows kind of submerging with lighter shadows and going back and forth across my room. I was the kid that cousins that I had barely had any contact with, you know, the second and third cousins. And I remember being a little girl and heading out to the car and the phone rang and my mom grabbed it. And in the car, I look at my dad, I'm like, cousin Sophie's dead. And my father just gave me this look. And my mom got in the car and was very shaken up. And she's like, that was Cousin Marie. Sophie passed away of a heart attack. Mm. And my dad just looked at me. And I was like, I told you she was dead. And when you're that young, it doesn't seem weird to you. But it was always kind of there. This just feeling that something was off or hearing something that no one else could that I just started to really think, damn, I am the odd one in this family. You know, maybe the adoption agency should have given them a less defective child because I felt a little defective. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know what, though? I mean, did you, did you also, like, see and speak with spirits? Yes, I did, um, okay. frequently. And then as I got a little bit older, it wasn't as much. I kind of tuned a lot of it out. But at that point, the tarot had come into my life. So I was focusing a lot more, I think, on that side of things that maybe 
I just tuned off the spirit receptor, or maybe they were like, you know, let's back off so she can focus on something for a change. I'd really love to know which of those it was. Right. right. Do I have some feedback here? Hopefully not. Uh, you had a little bit, but it's good now. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, so... That's actually, you know, I th- I've heard that story a lot, especially by people who are, um, more, they, they have that natural gift, that, psych- that natural psychic medium gift. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, do you find that a lot of people like misunderstand um, what it is you actually do? Because I, I don't know about you, but I often find like when people come to me for readings, mm-hmm. that they expect you to be like, I don't know. Yes, like you could predict the winning lottery numbers for them. Yes. Mm. And I get a lot because aside from my private practice that I do, you know, through demonology.org and then the few that I have personal clients, I work for an international company that offers online and phone readings. And I if I had five cents for every call that was like, Can you tell me what he or she is doing right now? Like I can like look into a mirror and say, Yeah, they're putting on their left sock. Yeah, I'd be so wealthy. It's like, no, it doesn't work that way. I wish it could, but it doesn't. They don't get it. Right. It's it's actually kind of interesting to... And it's interesting how people, I don't know, people... They, they seem to... That's what they want to use divination for, to find out if somebody's cheating on them. Yes. To find out if somebody's doing something behind their back, or to find a get-rich-quick way of making money. Yep, those are the majority of my calls. Oh, and the other one is, am I pregnant? Or am I going to get pregnant? (laughs) Oh, man. Like, you know, I understand the draw to those questions, but Mm -hmm. there's just so much more to what a reader can offer to help put you on the right path or help you to see where your blockages are and where you're shortchanging yourself. I wish people could see that side of what we can give. Right. You're right, but then you're you're asking them to actually go and work. Yes. <laughs> it, 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 that's an evil thing. You want me to be proactive in my life? No, just wave your magic wand, Shaylin. It's like, if I could wave my magic wand and do that, I'd be doing it for me, thank you very much. But i got to work for it, so so do you. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding, right? You wouldn't need to have a job as a re- or Well, you know, you wouldn't be doing readings and stuff for people if, you know, you... Right, or I would... Like, a million bucks for yourself. Yeah, or I'd be doing them, but I would just do them for the fun of it if I had that independent, wealthy background. But no, that's not how life works. You have to be able to take that step, and most people just want us to fix it. Right. And, you know, sometimes those flashes of insight actually do come. It's Mm -hmm. just that they're unpredictable. You can't really, like, you can't sometimes call them at will. Right. And that's what's hard to explain to people, that when you focus into a situation, you tap in, psychic ability is like getting little tidbits of info, and you have to do with it what you can. The more information you can get, the better. Mm -hmm. But no, you you don't get this big, high-definition picture all the time. No, and sometimes, especially if it's a client that I've been working with, and I have about five or six on the line that I'm with, that have called me regularly, sometimes two and three times a month for a year. 
with those clients, our connection is really good, so I can pick up a little bit more on the nuance. But someone brand new who picks up the phone, and I'm like, well, what can I help you with? And they're like, well, you're the psychic. You tell me. Oh, <laughs> oh I hate that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and trying to explain, give me a question or an area of your life, because it helps to narrow in all of the cacophony of stuff, goes right over their heads. Right. Well, because you're cold reading at that point, and cold reading is notoriously difficult. Yeah. I mean, I do mostly cold reading. I mean, I have regular clients that come back, you know, but there, there are. It's like a there's a cold reading thing there that that people just you know don't understand. And again, sometimes you'll get flashes of insight about people you don't even know. Right. And, but, so, so you also you are like me, where you also work with. Um, with demonic influence in your readings when did you start actually bringing spirits into your readings was that early on or did that take a while to evolve i didn't start using them on readings for others until probably the last five or six years Mm -hmm. because it just felt like for some reason it just didn't feel quite right like i didn't have the right amount of connection or understanding, and I didn't want to misconstrue what I was sensing. So I kept that for myself, you know, my personal readings, and just a few people that understood my perspective. Mm -hmm. And then gradually, when I got my Ducanti deck, actually, I started using that deck when I was doing the professional reads. Okay. when I'm doing those with phone or internet, because some people, if I were to turn over the card that says Beelzebub, they're going to freak out. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. He's such a charming person. But, um, you know, I have to go, okay, well, I'm seeing this kind of an energy there. So sometimes I don't tell them the name of the card, but it has given a whole new depth to my reading. And I think that I'm able to pinpoint problem spots easier because of that connection. Right. I think that was something that just had to build up over time little by little with each of them. Yes. Well, and that's true. You do have to, like, develop that relationship. Right. Um, But you've had these relationships with these spirits for, like, many years. Maybe you didn't know who they were in the very beginning. When I, I was in my 20s and it was just a small little coven of idiots. And we were supposed to, one girl was supposed to do an astral, but I was the one that kept getting sucked in, pissing her off to no end. And I met this one little, I called her a demon, her and her buddy, can we come hang with you? Sure. And they gave me the names Noxiedil and Ishidil. And that's what I just called them for years and years and years and years. And then I was doing some research on the Sumerian deities and came across Erishkigal. And I heard this giggle in my head. And I'm like, oh, are you kidding? No, I've been thinking you're like this little kind of sort of plump thingy. And this is who you are? She's like, well, you didn't need to know. I wanted to see how you would be if you didn't know what I was. And now I have an amazing relationship with Adish Kigal. I have no idea who Nakshadil is. She won't tell me who that one is. And I'm still trying to figure that one out. But I had no idea that this spirit that I had been connecting with for 20 some odd years was who they ended up being. And yet, hmm. whenever I had questions, I could turn right 
to her and I would get very solid answers. When my daughter passed away, instinctively I turned towards her. You know, and then, like I said, down the road you learn, well, she ruled over the underworld. You know, she was there for the dead. And like, oh well that makes perfect sense. My daughter is dying and that's who I turned to. It was just that instinctive, you know, zoning in, I guess. Right. So what was probably your most profound experience with a spirit that that made you actually think to yourself what was okay what was the first, the first. experience that you had with a spirit that actually made you uh stop and think to yourself there's something to this I really need to explore this more and see where it goes Mm -hmm. that would probably be I was about 13 14 and we were visiting family and they had these double French doors and one of the little kids was like oh daddy's home like no honey daddy's not home I just saw him walk down the hall and I had been having dreams of this male figure walking throughout this beautiful house and I got the name Harry the kids described what I had been seeing in my dreams I hadn't shared that with anybody and I sat there going okay there's got to be more to this I can't be imagining things and everyone else imagining things there's got to be something to this so I started delving a little bit more. Maybe the shadows I'm seeing dancing on the wall aren't just somehow lights getting in. There's got to be more to it. Why do I get these weird feelings? Why am I hearing things? Why do I feel so comfortable you know, walking in places that no one else wants to go into? And that kind of pushed me to delve in that much more. Oh, wow. Huh. Let, let, let me ask a little bit of a hard question. So... Did you have the? Did you already have the degree in psychology at this point? No, um, I had okay. a degree in comparative religion. I had that. I got that right after my daughter passed away. So that was ninety nine. I didn't go back for my clinical psych until two thousand eight. But I did wonder if I was just losing it. Like, you know, do I do I that, get the matching jacket? Am I going to get a matching? That's where I was going to lean with the hard question. Like, I think some people would start to wonder at this point if they were getting schizophrenic or something along those lines. Yep. Or um, bipolar can have psychotic tendencies, too. True. You know, when I... And I did take psychology, you know, just the basic stuff in, you know, the first time around in college. But... I kind of tried to tone out a lot of that because at that point in the DSM, it was saying any belief in anything magical, you're definitely, you know, you need help. And I would sit there and argue with my professor, like, what about believing in God? (laughs) And he would just crush me up (laughs) and move on to the next question. Well, and here's, here's the funny thing. In psychology, it's actually called magical thinking. Yes. (laughs) Right? now that I have both sides of the coin I'm like yeah well it works for me and I'm not that crazy you know so I guess I'm I guess I'm doing all right and when things are validated by other readers 
or other mm-hmm. people who are sensitive, you know that, okay, I guess there is the possibility of group psychosis, but chances are probably not. Yeah, I think group psychosis is probably a little rarer than some people might believe that it is. Yes. I mean, you'd have to be really almost fanatical, I would think. You'd have to have a large group of people that were almost fanatical for that to happen. (laughs) Honest to God, apart from something like a cult environment where people get fanatical together on one focused thing, Mm -hmm. I think that group psychosis is a nice cover-up for when supernatural things happen and they need a logical answer. Right. Yep. I would have to agree there, Jason. It's just easy to make everyone get put on, you know, Saraquel and say, yeah, you all need counseling and help, then to admit, well, maybe there was something to it. Mm-hmm. Unless, unless, of course, it's like, if it's Christianity, it's fine. If you're talking to God, that's okay. Yeah. But if you're talking, if you're talking to demons or the dead, then you're a complete nut job. Right. <laughs> I don't understand the, the line, you know, there, but yeah. It's not quite fair. The the line is um, years and years of training. I, for one, when I first started paranormal investigating, I had no problem taking a tape recorder and, and recording hours of audio and listening to hours of audio for the slightest little whisper. Yet, we'd be on these cases and fellow investigators would start asking questions. I'd be like, no, don't talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> Because communicating with the dead was a big no-no in Christianity at the time. I was I was still Christian back then. Mm-hmm. Communication with the dead was a huge no-no. There was nothing that Bible said I couldn't record them, though. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's good rationalization. I like that. I can record it. talk. But, you know, I mean, okay, so... So, that is a good question. I mean, do you think... So did you actually, like, I don't know, did you just wonder to yourself if you were crazy? but Or did you actually, like, go see a psychologist or a counselor? Well, I did think I was crazy. Uh, and I did actually go for counseling, mainly because of, you know, typical teenage depression stuff and bipolar stuff. But I kept all of that close to the chest because I knew the minute those words came out of my mouth... I would have found myself in a hospital. So I held a lot of those beliefs way in. Because mm-hmm. it just, I just didn't feel safe talking about it. I probably, maybe I should have. But I just instinctively knew, Shay, if you open your mouth, you're really going to be in trouble. So I just held it all in. You right. know, it's, it's, it's scary advising people and that sort of thing because... Mm-hmm. You know what? I've known talented people that have been put on lithium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they were honest. Yep. I think that there has only been one counselor, and this was right after I was in a car accident, but when you're in, I was inpatient for a while because of the depression, and I saw her every single day. So you build up a relationship, and she had a feeling about my belief system because I really wasn't all that quiet about it. And with her, I could open up. And she didn't think I was crazy. And right. that's like, oh my gosh, where did you come from? You're open-minded? Are you kidding me? <laughs> How? Because if I was stressed out, I would 
be, you know, I'd have my deck of cards. I would have a tarot deck with me, and I'd be pulling cards just to kind of stay focused in on the moment. And no one made me feel like an oddity for it, but she was certainly different. She was not of the same mindset of most of them. Right. So, it's the bottom of the hour. We need to pause briefly for station identification. This is Jason M. Caldwell and Stephanie Connolly Reisner. Deeper down the rabbit hole, on the Para-X Network, tonight's guest is Shailen Gray. We are discussing mediumship, psychic, and uh, magic. (laughs) (laughs) All that jazz. All that jazz, really. We're We're just having a discussion if you're just now tuning in. Okay, so um, I have to do these little plugs now every now and then, so, you know. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. (laughs) No, that's okay, because now we can, like, maybe start talking about how um, we use divination and magic. Mm Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't, um, because, I mean, let's face it. I mean, you look at all of the ceremonial magic, a lot of those are scrying rites, aren't they? A lot of people oh, yes. don't stop to think about that. They don't stop to think that a lot of these rituals that they do, whether ceremonial magic or whatnot, or even like all of these deep meditations that are all the rage right now, it is all meant to connect with the divine intelligence in some way and to communicate with it. Whether you're calling it from within yourself or from from the spirit world and and Divination plays a role in that because um, not just spirit communication, but also divination can play a role in that because oftentimes when we're seeking help from the spirit world, we're looking for answers. We're looking for insight. And that's what divination is, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, so I don't know. I mean, what kind of, uh, what kind of, when did you first realize that you, could actually, when, when did you first realize that, you know, you were going to take it further and actually move from just doing divination and speaking with spirits and actually move it into magic? I don't even know if there's a hard line as to when I realized that I was even doing it. Um, I did, I think like many of us, I started off on the whole with the neo-pagan thing, thanks to a very open-minded Roman Catholic priest. Gotta love him. Um, and just over time, it seemed like when I was doing my rituals, I was doing fire scrying or water and then pulling my divination cards in. And it just felt like the perfect fit. I don't think I ever made a conscious decision, oh, I'm going to bring this. It was just one of those, okay, I need to reach out for this. It was just like that epiphany moment of, okay, now, Shay, go grab that Russian deck that you never use because now you need to use it. And then right. we- that kind of, oh, okay, I'll go grab that deck because apparently there's a message there that I need to be aware of. Either something that I'm lacking or maybe a focus or someone is trying to get a message to me and I'm just too damn dense to hear it any other way. Right. So so your work was not, how do I put this? It was organized, but there was intuition coming into play 
where you you had you had the base outline of the ritual you were doing, but your intuition said, "Hey, grab this. Hey, grab that," and you were yes. bringing divination into it instinctively. Yes, there was never a okay, when I would be planning things out. Step A, step B, step C. It was okay. This is how it's supposed to go. But when I get in there, I might be pulled to do something completely different. And I never questioned or doubted it. I just kind of went with, this is apparently what I need to do. This is where I'm supposed to be focused. So it makes me laugh when we have all these new students um, in the temple who are like, it has to be done like this. It's like, no, you go with the flow. That, that's how you become strong. <laughs> you just let it happen. Don't analyze it. And of course, that oh. is, in and of itself is chaos magic, isn't it? Yes, a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, See, the, uh, just a scooch the unfortunate thing is people that get too stuck up in the regiment <laughs> too much into and, and let, let's be frank if, if you're doing grimoire magic especially those of you that are trying to do grimoire magic if you're really going by the letter of it come on gold rain this lion skin that yeah, right. Come on, be real. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's, there's truth to it, though. And I have to wonder if a lot of that stuff wasn't thrown in there just to um, to dissuade people from actually trying it. I think I think right. old grimoire magic was just magic dressed up in church clothes to make it acceptable in some way. Yes, Just, I think it's yeah. I think it's twofold. I think one, the Catholic Church, where a lot of these these things were developed within, um, they they had a lot of money. They had access to. They could get some of the things that were listed. Probably not everything, though. And I think a lot of it. You're absolutely correct. It was thrown in there to so people, if the wrong people got their hands on the material, they'd look at it and go, "Oh crap, I can't do it." Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. And then There's he, definitely something to be said with improvisation, though, too, isn't there? Yes. And we've, I think we've had that conversation a couple of times, Steph, that it's, you know, that's the hallmark between someone who is just going to sit in the chair and read it and the person who mm-hmm. gets out there and lives it. Yes. Yeah, because you're going to have to, you're going to have to substitute something. There's no way you can actually do that magic. Right. With, you know on limited budget, uh, you know, availability, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I just think too many people have lost touch with that intuitive side. And I'm so mm-hmm. grateful that I was able to hold on to it because I think it's made me a much stronger practitioner now. Now, some people will say that that intuitiveness will also get you in trouble, especially early on, because then you don't build foundation. Yeah. Or you think you can skip the basics. Right. And I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think about that? How do you feel about that? I'm going to say it's a happy medium. Yeah. Right. I suppose it can lead you down, you know, the the path to just thinking that you can do whatever because, no, certain spirits, although you have some latitude, they are going to want things done in a certain way. But... You have to be able to just trust your gut at some point to know that what you're doing is really what you're doing and that you're not just imagining everything. Right. 
You know, I I, I, I said something. I, I forget what a previous... We had a guest a few weeks ago who said something about some kind of expensive magic circle. I forget what material. And I went, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you because I get out my magic marker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like... I I've I've made goetic circles with sidewalk chalk. I mean, right. Yes, I still do. I still will. Um, I think what it comes down to is subs- make substitutions in the window dressing part of it. Make mm-hmm. your cutbacks there. Mm-hmm. Don't make your cutbacks in technique. Um, right. Go hardcore with the technique. Make your cutbacks in materials but still try to keep the spirit of the ritual as you're learning. Right. Yes. The intent. Well, and one, well, one of the things that um, I, th- I think is like really important is that people know that there is found, there's foundation for magic. I mean, isn't there, there's like, you know, correspondences I are generally, I mean, there are substitutions for certain types of, you know, herbs and stuff like that. And even stones, you could find substitutions. So, so stuff like that. But it, I mean, when it comes down to like the the core basics, like meditation and being able to raise energy and ground yourself, mm-hmm. and things like that. And I would I would even go as far as to say um, working with spirits and having that communication, that open line of communication, and knowing how to at least use some divination device whether it's a pendulum or a tarot deck i would consider a lot of that stuff just basic foundational material that everyone should strive to work on because you can do you can fix the rest of it you can you can find a different herb you can always find you don't need like you know a specific wand you can work without tools altogether if you need to i think now oh go ahead i think I think you'll agree with this, Stephanie. Like, if you're making an offering to a particular spirit, mm-hmm. one, I would do some footwork first, find out what that spirit likes. I wouldn't just give right. them whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And well, that, you want to talk about true. it? Well, and let me—I'll say a little something about intuition and that score. If you make a presentation and you know that you've offended whatever you're working with. Mm-hmm. know when to stand down apologize and make the proper substitutions yes well and that's the thing that's <laughs> what I mean there's certain foundations when I'm talking foundation I totally agree with that foundation the attributes the and the um, correspondences with specific spirits are usually pretty dead on um, and you know I've learned this the hard way in some instances because I was like, oh, well, yeah, there's this, but I'm just going to do this. And, you know, you do. You, you get a spirit that's kind of like, yeah, that's not really what I wanted and not really what I like. Maybe we need to try again. Um, or they just won't work with you at all. They're just kind of like, yeah, well, screw you. I don't like that. But you do, ha- you do have to do that. But at the same time, I think some people are almost too strict with that to a degree i mean i do agree like for there are certain things like there are some spirits you do not want to give blood to because you know demonolatry is a bloodletting tradition we tend to give blood to a whole host and variety of spirits and god forms 
you do not do that with comedic deities. You don't do it with the Egyptian deities at all. Because mm-hmm. when you do, they're just like, yeah, no, that's not happening. That's and you don't use daggers with them either. So there are certain things that, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure you have to be careful with. Now, I'll, there are a lot of spirits though that, that are a little more forgiving. Like if you give them wine instead of milk and honey, they're not going to complain too much. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I so, but yeah, I do believe that. Yeah, p- people should do the groundwork before they start. Learn the rules first and then break them in meaningful ways. Right. Just like you, just like anything else, right? Yep. When you're learning a trade. But then, if you start getting, I had turned to you a couple of times with some of the correspondences, um, mm-hmm. like Agares, Earth, and I just kept getting that overwhelming desire to do fire scrying with him. And I'm like, why am I feeling mm-hmm. fire for him? And you're like, well, I've always considered him the fiery part of Earth. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Same thing with Belphegor with me. I don't mm-hmm. feel the earth, I feel the fire. But my mm. right was saying it's earth, but my gut was saying, no, he's telling you fire. Mm-hmm. So you, it's always... Yeah, because like, he's got a fire earth thing going. Yeah. Right. I seem to have a thing for the fire earth. I don't know why, and yet I've got a water patron. I'm still figuring that one out. But you do have to figure out what resonates with you, too, because each of us is just as unique as they are. And how they approach yes. the person's relationship may be a little different. Yes, exactly. It's kind of like, you know, they say, as above, so below. If a mm-hmm. spirit likes a certain list of, they have their own attributes of things that they like and everything. Each magician has to adjust that for them, too. Yeah. And I don't think people realize also, like, you know, like, everyone's like, oh, this this spirit is, like, really easy to work <clears> with. <throat> and then other people are like, oh, no, don't don't even work with that spirit because you'll get your your rear end kicked you know that's not the same way (laughs) for everybody right we don't like everyone we meet at the same level why should we expect Mm -hmm. that from them right or the energies don't mesh so well you know what i'm saying like some people will work with enochian spirits and they'll be perfectly fine i work with them and i get like jittery and i i feel like there's like electrical current going through me and sometimes i'll even like freeze and and have this overwhelming sense of panic that fight or flight response mm-hmm. and and i know you know you if you've trained yourself to observe during magic as opposed to react because that's another foundational skill that i think magicians should have is intuitively like we go back to the intuition now intuitively you know that it's just how their energy affects you right so always see that or feel that and that's actually one of the reasons why when we were talking about doing the classes i started asking my students to meditate or pick a demon that was in both the goetic and the ducante and focus on the two different sigils how do they each Mm -hmm. make you feel and i got a lot of well why are you making us do this because you're picking up different sides of the same point which one feels better to you which one you know gives you the best connect then that's the wonderful well, I think right well and I think this goes back to what Jason was telling us at the at the beginning of the hour when he was talking about his work with um oh, who yeah. were you yeah with Haniel you were you were saying how you had this feeling and everything had, had you had that feeling before with that particular spirit never like, oh interesting now hmm. heart heart shocker energy of course 
Well, I shouldn't say, of course, it's being presumptuous, but yes, I, I've had heart shocker energy with that experience, but in this case, it was so strong, I thought that I was going into heart palpitations. Right. So it's not like you, you, con- you always get that feeling when you're in contact with that particular spirit. It's just that it was stronger this time and actually induced that reaction. Oh, I was scared. Right. I'll be honest. How many times have you heard me say that I'm scared? I mean, right? <laughs> no, I, I totally, I totally get that. I mean, when I had, like I, had I, that... I, okay. I almost broke out of ritual, and yeah, wow. <laughs> like you, actually, I like the way you put it. How you were working, you you talked about working with the Enochian. You stopped and you observed. Well, before I panicked, I stopped and observed, and then I was able to stop panicking. Right. And that's and that's exactly what happened with me too when I was working with the Enochian spirits is, and it's really weird because I felt like I was like kidnapped, and I know that sounds really bizarre, like astrally kidnapped. Would that be it? like an astral nap? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, I I literally got like pulled into this like dark space, and I knew I was surrounded, and I could feel them all looking at me and just like. I don't know, they were observing me or something, kind of like, I don't know, sizing me up. That's exactly what it felt like. And I was suddenly very terrified because, first of all, I had been literally, like, snatched from my body, or that's what it felt like. It it almost felt like a violation. And I was being observed like an animal. And, of course, so my initial, that initial reaction was fear. It was flight. And, but I couldn't flee. I was, like, sucked there. I was at their mercy. And then I, that's when I kind of, like, I don't know what happened. Something switched in my brain. And then I was standing back and just kind of, like, observing this whole thing. And that, that's when I realized they didn't really mean me harm. They were just, like, checking me out. Kind of like, yeah, okay, what the hell's up with this? Who are you, you know? That sort of thing. And then once I got out of that experience and I just felt... I don't know. My entire body just felt energized and like my skin was almost like crawling with energy. It was just very bizarre. So, yeah, there's a there's a whole thing that happens there when you're doing when you're working with certain spirits. Now, I I haven't had that same exact result with the Enochian spirits since, but it but I still do get that that uh, palpable energy that actually goes through my skin like that every time so that's when i know that's actually how i know it's an enochian spirit that you know if one shows up without me you know which is rare that rarely happens they don't usually show up unless you you call on them but um that you know you you can kind of tell the different types of spirits by the kind of feeling that they give you Oh, but I had another magician try to tell me, oh, they're just like all the other Abrahamic angels. There's no difference. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It comes down to that discernment. You know, you have to be able to realize what you're working with and what you should do and shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. Can do, can't do. Well, and that's it. That's it. You like, I think some people just have a finer, finer tuned senses. So, and of course, this goes back to you know, whether you're a medium or not. And so that's why I think for magicians to actually like try to develop their sense of spirit communication and divination and learning that discernment. And because I think everybody has some level of at least clairsentience. Right. 
I mean, not everybody's going to be clairvoyant or clairaudient. Mm-hmm. But in the very least, they're going to be clairsentient. And you can enhance that. You just have to work it. Mm-hmm. And you have to be unafraid of opening yourself up to what might or may not be a frightening situation. Right. You know, that, you know can you face that and still keep going forward? And I think that's an important thing, too, because I think a lot of people block that. When they have a frightening experience, they literally block themselves off from that, don't they? Yeah, they shut it down. Mm-hmm. And that's never good. Like, when if you have, like, a strong natural gift, that's never a good thing to shut it down because I will tell you it, it comes back. It comes back to you in spades. I mean, I had to, I, I tried to do that, tried to block it all down when I was in my late teens and it all came flooding back to me, and I had nightmares for years until I finally just said, okay, I'll, I'll deal with it, and I brought it back. Right. Or I opened myself up to it, rather, mm-hmm. and let it back in. So it's kind of interesting how, how that happens when you deny yourself something. Yeah. Well, it's a part of who you are. How can you deny that? It's not like singing. You know, right, kind of stuff down that's not going to come back to bite you on the butt. Certain gifts will come back to bite you on the butt if you ignore them too long. Well, and it's, what's interesting about that is usually it's because somebody saw too deeply into something. That's why I tell people never, if they're doing scrying and they're clairvoyant mm-hmm. and they have any degree of clairvoyance, do not look into a silver mirror. Just don't because you may see things too clear too clearly. There's a reason we use black mirrors. Yeah. And... silver mirrors are great and everything but you can see some really crazy crazy stuff in the silver mirrors you just don't want to go there it will it it can damage your psyche and that's kind of what happened to me and why I closed it off I was like yeah I don't want to ever see that again because that was pretty damn scary but of course it's almost like mirroring your fears back at you there's a whole fear facing thing that we like deal with a lot in demonolatry Mm mm-hmm yeah, and I think that there's a lot of that that um, I don't know that needs to needs to be addressed sometimes before you can move forward with a magical ability. Right. I wonder how many of us who follow the left hand path have had one of those "oh my god" moments, where it just scared the bejeebus out of us because it was, you know, the divine intelligence trying to reflect back to us: these are your fears; these are the things that you have to overcome if you're really going to go down this way. Right, trying to tear us. Well, and that's you, honestly, you know what? That's why I think demons get such a bad rap. Yeah, I mean, if you come right down to it, I mean, they over history they've gotten a bad rap, and it's it's probably not without good cause, but it's it's been from people who probably misinterpreted the messages that they were actually getting. Mm-hmm. And because I mean, if you think about it, isn't it isn't it more like it really is more like it. Okay, so you you leave something up to the demonic to do, and then they throw something back at you that you didn't quite ask for, and it kind of screws you over in some way, and you're like, well, that wasn't cool. So, of course, all these people are thinking, oh, well, this demon's a trickster. Well, no, this had to happen this way in order for this other thing to happen that you wanted to happen. Right. So, and, and I don't think people always, like, I, I think it really depends on how you perceive that kind of lesson teaching mm-hmm. in how you view, view the spirits and the help they're giving you. <laughs> and then 
that's where all the constraining comes from. Oh, I'm going to constrain you so you can do that. But I have I have other ideas about constraining and circles and all of that. But that's for another time. That's another conversation. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Jason who's sitting there quietly going, I don't even know if I'm getting in the middle of this conversation. <laughs> yeah, because it would be a whole nother hour that we'd have to record. Because let me tell you something. Every, every season... Every there's a time and place for every purpose, something. <laughs> <laughs> right, and we're oh, oh interesting. <laughs> no, I mean I've I've done it the nice way, and I've done it the not nice way. <clears throat> mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say for now because we're running short on time. But Shailen, you you should. Uh, Definitely. Let let the audience know what you have going on. I mean, are you making any public appearances or? Um, no, nothing that is occult related. Uh, I've up to my eyeballs in a production, a local show. So I'm doing a lot of that over the next month and a half, and then just doing what I need to do over at the Temple of Atem and doing my readings. And you can find Shaylin at demonolatry.org if you're looking for a reading. That you can. The link is also on the ddtrh.com website. And, uh... Oh, Stephanie, did you, did you tell folks that you have a book coming out here? No, I did not. I actually, my Anne O'Connell pen name, uh, it's uh, Erotic Romance, um, is that I'm actually releasing a new book, Falling from Grace. Uh, on the 15th, it's about a Catholic priest who falls in love with a parishioner and has to make a choice of staying in the priesthood or leaving for a relationship that's uncertain. So, and I released the tr- uh, third book in my trilogy, my fantasy trilogy, just last month. So, um, you can check out my website at sjreisner.com. And that's S-J-R-E-I-S-N-E-R if you're interested in and seeing all of the different books I have to offer, since I don't just write demonolatry books. And another thing, um, Shaylin and I, along with uh, uh, probably a, at least one other person in our temple, uh, we're planning on doing a divination course later yep. this year. So um, watch this summer on demonolatry.org if you're interested in taking a class with us. Should be good. Yeah. Should, should be quite fun. Mm-hmm. And so it also. Oh, oh go, ahead. go ahead. I was going to say, go did ahead. you did you have anything that you wanted to announce, Jason? Oh, I'm in the next phase of the secret project that will be coming out later this year. <laughs> 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 Let's just say I have a nice camera, and things are starting to happen. Woohoo! <laughs> I, I'm excited to f- figure out what it is. I just I love it when everyone teases me. I'm like, ah. Well, you do it enough to everybody with your book, so you know, a little tit for tat there, stuff. Right. <laughs> I can dish it, but I can't take it. Yeah. <laughs> so this is Jason M. Caldwell, Stephanie Connolly Reisner. We are on the Parax Network. Our guest this evening was Shailen Gray. Next up on the Parax Network is The Gathering. I'm going to let the Illuminists take us on out. Everybody have a great week.